What is the relationship between God's foreknowledge, predestination, and man's free will? These, these questions have circled around the church for centuries now, and I don't presume to answer them today, but we are going to look at a text that is often overlooked. My name is Hayden, and this is Help Me Believe. In today's modern scientific era, how could you possibly still believe in God? And, and the resurrection, people do not rise from the dead. And don't even start to tell me that you think the Bible is God's Word. If you've ever heard questions like these, or if you've ever had doubts about your faith, this has helped me believe where each week we aim to answer a tough question about Christianity. Our aim is to strengthen the believer and answer the critic. So this is a question that many Christians have, and as I said, it's been debated for centuries. And again, let me reiterate that I do not presume to solve this issue once and for all here today, alright? I'm not that smart, and uh, you probably know that by now. But a passage of Scripture that often gets overlooked when it comes to God's foreknowledge, predestination, and man's free will, all of that, you know, these are pretty popular terms uh, between the Calvinist-Arminian debate, if you're familiar. Um, but a, a passage that often gets overlooked is 1 Samuel chapter 23, and let me just go ahead and read uh, verses 1 through 14 to you. Kind of a long passage, but uh, totally worth it, okay? I think it highlights some important things uh, concerning this uh, conversation. It says, It was reported to David, that's King David, Look, the Philistines are fighting against uh, Kelah. Again, I'm just going to call that Kelah if it's different. I'm sorry. And raiding the threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord, Should I launch an attack against the Philistines? And the Lord answered David, Launch an attack against the Philistines and rescue Kelah. But David's men said to him, Look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Kelah against the Philistine forces? Once again David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go at once to Kelah, for I will hand the Philistines over to you. Then David and his men went to Kalah, fought against the Philistines, drove their livestock away, and inflicted heavy losses on them. So David rescued the inhabitants of Kalah. Um, so David rescued the inhabitants of Kalah. Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Kalah, and he brought an ephod with him. When it was reported to Saul that David had gone to Kalah, he said, God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself by entering a town with barred gates. Then Saul summoned all the troops to go to war at Kalah and besieged David and his men. When David learned that Saul was plotting evil against him, he said to the priest, Abiathar, bring the ephod. Then David said, Lord, God of Israel, your servant has reliable information that Saul intends to come to Kelah and destroy the town because of me. Will the citizens of Kelah hand me over to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, please tell your servant. The Lord answered, He will come down. And then David asked, Will the citizens of Kelah hand me and my men over to Saul? They will, the Lord responded. So David and his men, numbering about 600, left Kelah at once and moved from place to place. When it was reported to Saul that David had escaped from Kelah, he called off the expedition. David then stayed in the wilderness, the wilderness strongholds, and in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. Saul searched for him every day, but God did not hand David over to him. Okay, so if you were listening closely with this um, conversation about uh, free will, uh, 
predestination and God's foreknowledge in mind, you may have caught on to what I'm going to say. All right. But in case you didn't, let me let me uh, highlight a few things for you. Here's what happens. David, this is the the narrative, the part of the narrative where David is on the run from Saul. Saul's trying to to hunt David down. And David goes and and fights the Philistines at this place, Kelah, if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm sure I'm not. And there's something unique about this town or something uh, curious about this town that makes it to where David is kind of trapped or surrounded. He's kind of a fish in a barrel at this point because he's in this town. And so that's an, an easy target for Saul. Saul gets excited. It's such an easy target that Saul thinks that God must have handed David over to him. Right? This is so, it's so easy for me to take David now. This must be the hand of God. God must be behind this. God is handing David over to me. That's what Saul thinks. And so he gets prepared to go and get David at this town. So David somehow hears about Saul's plan to come and get him, and he goes and he asks God two things. Is Saul coming, and, and will the people of this town turn me over to Saul? And God tells him, yes, Saul is coming, and secondly, that the people of Kelah will turn you over to Saul. Now, here's what's important. Neither of those things come to pass. Okay? God knows, he foreknows, two things. That Saul is coming, Saul's going to come, and that the people will turn you over. Saul never comes, and the people never turn David over. God foreknows two things that never come to pass. So what does this mean? It means foreknowledge does not necessitate predestination. In other words, just because God knows something doesn't mean that it has to come true. It doesn't necessarily have to come true. God can know it and then it not come true. I know that because we just read it. You can't, I mean, there's no way around that. God knows something that does not come to pass. So foreknowledge does not necessitate predestination. Now, God can foreknow something and predestine it to happen, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. And if you see an example where God foreknows something and then it does come to happen, you can't then extrapolate from that that every time God knows something, it must come to pass. That's not true. And here's an example. It just, it just, it's right there in the text. He knows something and then it does not happen. Secondly, God, uh, another thing that I see as uh, pretty curious in this passage is that God has knowledge of conditional, uh, God knows conditionals. Okay, a conditional is it, um, when I say, if you do this, then this will happen. Okay, so the conditional from this passage is, if you stay, the people will turn you over to Saul. If Saul comes down, he will get you. God has knowledge of a conditional like that. So God doesn't, um, sorry, the, the important thing here is God doesn't just, just know actual events in the future, right? We, we say God is omniscient. He knows everything, and that includes what's going to happen tomorrow and a thousand years from now or whatever. Okay, God knows everything. Okay, but he doesn't just know 
actual events that are going to happen, he also knows possible events that could happen. All right, they're they're conditioned. That's the the structure of a conditional is if then. All right. So again, if you stay, Saul will get you. God knows that, and then it never comes to pass. So God knows possible things as well as actual things. And then we also see in the passage man's free will. Okay, so David goes to God. And God gives him the information. The information is, if you stay, Saul's going to get you. All right. So is David just well? That's it. Saul's got me because God God knows it, so it has to happen. No. The passage says so. David and his men left. They left. He gets the information from God and then makes his decision. I don't like that outcome. <laughs> I don't want to get caught by Saul. I'm leaving. David's free to do that within God's foreknowledge. And did God know that David was going to do that? Sure. And that is the thing that actually happened, was that David left. And of course God knew that David was going to actually leave. But he also knew that if David stayed, then he would get captured by Saul. So again, he knows the actual events. He knows the possible events. And David made a free decision to, to, to leave. How do I know? How do you know David made a free decision? This is a comment I got on the blog post. What do you mean? How do I know? It says David left. It doesn't say God predetermined David to leave or God caused David to leave. It just says based on the knowledge that God gave David, he made the choice to leave. How's that not free will? It's not up to me to, 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 to say something. I'm not saying anything more than the text is saying. If you're saying God predetermined David to, to do that, you've got to show me from the text where it says that. Hint, it does not say that. It says God knew the possible things that would happen. He revealed those to David, and based on that information, David made his own choice to turn and leave. And of course, yes, God knew that he was going to do that as well. But it doesn't mean God caused him to do it. It doesn't mean God predetermined him to do it or whatever. None of that's in the text. If you want to take that interpretation, you're more than welcome to. But you did not get it from the text. So again, uh, to wrap up, to conclude here, a, a review. From 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 14, we can see clearly that God's foreknowledge does not necessitate predestination. So God knows things that never come to pass. Okay, so obviously if you see a, a passage where God foreknows something and it does come to pass... There's not a necessary um, causation between those two things. It happens, but it doesn't have to happen that way. Here's an example of it not happening that way. Secondly, God has knowledge of possible events, not just actual events. God has God knows the truth value of conditional statements, I suppose you could say, if you're more philosophically inclined. And then also, none of this imposes on man's free will. So God knows... Sure, there's plenty of texts in the scripture you can find him predestining things to happen. Um, and he has he knows the truth value of conditional statements. And there's nothing in the text that makes me, me think that David did not have free will. Nothing. So, when it comes to this debate between Calvinism and Arminianism, or whatever, predestination, election, free will, God's foreknowledge, all of that, You've got to take these, at least these things into consideration as you form your theology for these sort of things.
Hey guys, thanks so much for watching or listening. If you are on the YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button if you want access to bonus material or if you just want to support our ministry here, uh, click on the link below and go to our Patreon page and become a, a patron. Um, if you're on the uh, podcast, uh, be sure to sub subscribe there as well and leave us a review if you don't mind. Thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see you next time.